when we started the the institute and in the first six months i mean the only one that was reading my blog was my mom and, and she <laughs> didn't even know what i was talking about coming to you in your speakers from dubai to all around the globe this is james reynolds traffic jam podcast Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, welcome back, listener. You're tuned into Traffic Jam, the show that teaches you how to build and grow a profitable audience for your website. This is episode number 16 of Traffic Jam, and on today's show, I invite onto Traffic Jam the poster boy of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi of the Content Marketing Institute for a fun, fast-paced discussion about what other than content marketing, of course. Now, if you want to learn how to create epic content or if you want to break through the barriers that are holding you back from actually creating content in the first place, then you're going to love this interview. Now, when it comes to content marketing, Joe is the leading authority. He's responsible for producing the largest content marketing event in the world, Content Marketing World, and the leading content marketing magazine, Chief Content Officer. Now, he's also the co-author of Get Content, Get Customers, recognized as the handbook for content marketing, might I add. And Joe has spoken at more than 200 locations and 10 countries around the world advancing the practice of content marketing. Now, on top of all of that, he also has a brand new book coming out this fall called Epic Content Marketing. And on this show today, you'll learn how to create some of that epic content marketing Joe describes. Now, Joe literally has all the content you could ever want on content. And we strain so much of that down in this interview to the very best bits. And that's coming right up next. But on top of all of that, we've got your favorite bits, of course. In Traffic Jam today, we have this week's news in traffic. We have the one minute traffic tip. And of course, we have the Traffic Jam Jam to play out the show. And this week, of course, it's chosen by my guest, Joe Polizzi, and he picks a Billy Joel track. So stay tuned until the end of the show for that. All of that's coming up, though, of course, after the interview. And we'll get stuck right into that right now. So this is Traffic Jam episode number 16 and joining me on today's show is Joe Polizzi for a little chat about content marketing. Joe, welcome to Traffic Jam. James, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's awesome to have you on the call and I guess as this is a call, I can't see what attire you're wearing today, Joe. I've got to ask, what colour are you sitting behind your computer in today? You know, I've got a I've got a, a Star Wars shirt that actually has a little bit of orange in it, but I am wearing orange pants. I've always got some p- pair of uh, orange something on. <laughs> well, for the benefit of our listeners, Joe, sort of uh, his brand color, if you like, his personal brand color is orange, and he can pretty much be seen every day wearing that, and especially when he's presenting. So I'm glad, even when the the cameras are off, Joe, that you're still true to your brand. I have to be. I can't go outside anymore without some orange on because somebody will call me on it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, today's topic, of course, is content marketing. That's where you're an expert. And it is a real big buzz out there, especially in internet marketing circles right now. Let's set the scene for today's topic. Joe, what is content marketing? 
Content marketing is a very old discipline that everyone thinks is brand new. I always like to throw that out, James, because uh, I mean, content marketing as a discipline is over 100 years old. Uh, John Deere, you know, one of the largest uh, tractor manufacturers in the world, uh, created a magazine called The Furrow Magazine back in 1895, and they are still producing that today. It's now the largest circulated farming magazine in the world. And that is historically what we've looked at as content marketing. And now because there are no barriers to entry and we are indeed all publishers, uh, we're all, you know, we're all getting into content marketing. And it's basically instead of distracting our customers with advertising messages around somebody else's content, we're creating our own valuable, compelling and consistent content and becoming the go to resources for our customers so that we can communicate directly with them. And now that there are no barriers to entry, we have all the opportunities in the world to really be that go to expert resource and create buyers from our prospects through great content. Got it. Well, you're very much ahead of the curve on this, right, Joe? You've been doing content marketing for, what, seven or eight years? The Content Marketing Institute has been going at least, what, since 2009. What was it about content marketing that got you so inspired to really take it up as your preferred method of, of marketing? You know, I started working in the publishing industry in the year 2000. And I was in charge for, actually, for Penton Media, which is the largest independent a business publisher in North America, I ran their custom media unit, which means that if our sales reps couldn't sell advertising in one of their magazines, they threw them over the wall to us and we tried to sell them things that were not advertising, which became custom magazines, uh, newsletters, podcasts like this one, uh, blogs, whatever was not advertising driven. And yeah. as I sat down with chief marketing officers from smaller companies to larger uh, B2B organizations, I started to figure out that, boy, there is something to this. There's something about this thing going direct. And if if we get rid of some of these barriers, especially in technology, I really thought that there was going to be a boom. And in talking to these CMOs, there's a lot of terms for this industry. It's custom publishing, custom media, branded content, corporate storytelling, customer media is big in, in Europe. But when I said content marketing, and this goes back all the way to 2001, you know, CMOs was sort of shifted the chair a little bit. They said, well, what's, you know, I sort of get that. That means I'm creating my own content. And by the way, they were all doing it, right? In white papers, yeah. uh, they, were do they were doing their own, starting their own videos. A lot of them had their own newsletters, but they weren't taking it seriously as a discipline and as a go-to market approach. And that's where we're seeing the big difference today. Before it was sort of like, you know, your content folks were in the back room or they were in the basement creating content and you, it was sort of a hobby. And today it's sort of the center point for uh, marketing initiatives because if you want to be found in search and if you want to drive leads online and if you want to have anything to do with your social media programs working, you better be telling fantastic stories at the center of that. So do you think that, Joe, is what's brought about the shift, this whole big um, explosion of online marketing, which of course revolves around the core discipline of content? Is that what's kind of you know, been the big changer for, for all these businesses? I think you can say yes, because there are no technology barriers. You know, we can, you and yeah. I can start up a blog or a podcast in two seconds. It doesn't cost us anything. <clears throat> That's a big deal. I get that. But the bigger deal is the consumer is completely in control. That's the issue. The consumer can control the buying process. And when I started in this industry back, I don't know, now I'm going to date myself over 15 years ago now. <laughs> 
uh, there were only a few channels that buyers could get information, and they were very distinct channels, and they were trade shows, and there were um, there were magazines, and we were just starting to see e-newsletters at the time. But you know, there were basically vendors and media companies owned those channels, and if you yeah. wanted information, you had to go to those. Now all of us have a little device in our pocket at all times that we can get any information and ask any questions and get the answers to them that we want to. So all the control has shifted. And now as marketers were saying, oh my gosh, we lost all that control. Sales doesn't have control anymore. You know, basically most of the buying process is done before it even gets to sales now. So it's completely turned on its head. And in order to get attention from customers today, we better be giving amazingly useful, compelling information like media companies have done forever, or they can simply ignore us today. Well, I want to really ask you right up front, Joe, what what sort of information is compelling and what sort of messaging should a business put out? Because I guess the big thing that I hear regularly from business owners and marketing people is, what the hell do I talk about? So what's the directive from you there? You know, you can go, you can use all kinds of different tools, whether it's Google Trends or, or listening to, you know, social reputation management systems, listening devices. The best thing to do is talk to your customers. And you got, you got to, you got to remember is most of us have many different groups of customer types is what we call buyer personas. Uh, you know, we at Content Marketing Institute, we have nine of them. We don't have content strategies for all nine, but we have nine defined groups that we target. You need a different content strategy for every one of those groups. So pick first of all, pick your audience, figure yep. out what your goal is, what your objective is. And then what we've got to figure out is where can we really be the leading informational expert for that defined group? The problem that most marketers run into is they try to boil the ocean with their content and they try to cover as many personas as you can do. And that's not going to work. You're getting too broad. You're not useful enough. You really need to focus and, and really think about for that persona, for that customer you're targeting, what are their pain points? What's keeping them up at night? And basically all you have to do, James, is talk to them. Yeah. You talk to your company. You, know, you can do surveys. You can do lots of huh. things. But I, I really prefer going around and talking to your customers and saying, where are you challenged with? What kind of information do you need to solve your, uh, your, your buying problems and your challenges? And what do you need to live a better life and, and have a better career and those types of things? Those are the things that we need to be providing, not more information about our products and services because, James, they have plenty of that. Yeah. I mean, we, there, is, <laughs> there is no brand out there that has any shortage of that kind of information. And when you say content marketing, that's what a lot of people think. They're thinking, oh, testimonial stuff and, and product demos. And that, those, that's fine. But what we really need is information that's going to move our buyers through the buying process and answering their questions. And you've got to figure out what those questions are. And yeah. then you've got to be giving away some of the secrets they're not, not getting anywhere else. And that's where we've seen a lot of vanilla content. They're like, oh, let's target these keywords, and then we'll do the five tips to that, the seven steps to that. And it's very, very vanilla. It's just like everyone else. And what you have to figure out is what is your content marketing mission statement? What is your story that's going to differentiate you and your brand and your mission from all the other content uh, I'm going to say crap that's out there because there's a ton, there is a ton of it out there and we've got to separate ourselves. And that's where most brands, they, they, you don't take the extra step and really say, boy, this information is going to be the best information on the planet. It has to be because there's so many other places our customers can get that information from. 
Yeah, got it. And in fact, you've written a book on this topic, right, called Epic Content Marketing. Um, and it seems to be something that a lot of people speak about. They talk about, you know, creating epic content or writing epic shit. The one, I guess, issue that I have with that, and perhaps business owners do too, is do you think there's too much pressure on going out there and creating the perfect piece of content? And is that holding a lot of businesses back from actually doing this stuff? Uh, you know, there's no such thing as the perfect piece of content. Uh, because it, the perfect piece of content is one that never gets published. Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't mean that it can't be amazingly useful content. Uh, I mean, that same thing with a book, right? I mean, the, the so the epic content marketing comes out this September, and if uh, I could, I could continue to be working on it right now, James. It's it could be never done. And what we've got to do, and that's what I love about Seth Godin. Seth Godin says most important thing for marketers: you got to ship. You've yep. got to put in the processes you need to. And that means it doesn't mean we're throwing out content and we're haphazard about it. But if you set up processes like for us, for example, we have three different editors in the process before a piece of content goes out. You look at what the raw, you know, look at the raw content. We were proofreading that content and we're looking at that from a search engine and social standpoint. You've got if you have those processes, then you're going to catch most of the things to make sure that that content piece is on target. Actually, where most marketers fall down, James, is not in the, the content. It's that they stop. Yeah. It's that they, they're so campaign focused or they'll say, okay, we're going to do this for three months or six months. But most content marketing programs don't work until you get to at least a year. Yeah. And marketers are very impatient. That's the biggest problem. If we can get marketers to have a little bit longer viewpoint, a little bit more patience, because I've said, boy, they're they're out there, they're blogging, they don't see results in six to nine months, and they stop. And I'm, boy, they could have been that next post that took them over the over the to the next step, but they're not doing that. Yeah. So you saying therefore that consistency as is as equally important as quality when it comes to content? Absolutely. You have to if if you are if you were planning to do a content marketing program and you only have your site set on three to six months, I just go do paid advertising. Yeah. Don't wait. I think it's much worse to start a content program and to start building a relationship with some of your customers and then stop than doing it at all. I mean, I just just don't don't even go there because I mean, think about it. I mean, I grew grew up in publishing. When we launched a content product, we did a three year timetable. Yeah. I mean, does any marketer think out three years? And I'm not even asking our, you know, our customers to think out three years. I'm asking, you know, at least get that six month to eighteen month timetable settled and we can figure out what those metrics are along the way and if we do that then we'll be more successful with our customers because we're not just looking for the quick hit yeah i mean i've got to agree with you there based on experience and the listeners listening in in the moment will be familiar with my content stuff and i've been doing this really i would say consistently and when i say consistently i mean sort of three four five content pieces per week for about a year now and it literally has been the last two or three months where that whole effort is really starting to pay dividends and it's just blown through the roof. And I guess if I had not had the persistence to carry on through after six months, well, all the payoff would have just been for waste, really. Well, it, I mean, for us, when, I, when we started the, the Institute, the, I started blogging about, you know, about three times a week, uh, on, you know, targeting uh, mid-sized to large enterprise marketers. And in the first six months, I mean, the only one that was 
reading my blog was my mom and, and she didn't <laughs> even know what I was talking about. I mean, it really like we had no audience. It yeah. took a long then it was about the nine month mark. And now we're at about one hundred and fifty thousand unique visitors a month. And that took six, six and a half years to get there. Yeah. Uh, but now everything is working. But really, did it, it was about the nine month mark for us that made sense. Now, I don't think that everybody has to go out there and do daily blogging. But do what you can, but just do it consistently. So if it's if it's one post a week and one white paper a month, or if it's a weekly e-newsletter or a weekly podcast, it needs to be at the same time, at the same day. Get that consistency going and get people to anticipate that content. Yeah, got it. Well, I want to pick up on something you mentioned a, a couple of minutes back where you said you've got to really find some messaging and information that consumers cannot find anywhere else to kind of differentiate yourself away from the pack. Do you think there's a worry from a business that they can give too much away? Like this is our own information. You know, these are these are our own processes. This is what makes us unique. I don't want the I don't want the world knowing about it. So they keep it to themselves. Is that a challenge for, for business owners? Yeah, it's historically been one of the biggest challenges, especially when you're talking with consulting-driven companies that feel that they have some kind of secret sauce. Uh, and and I, honestly, most of us don't. I mean, what, right? We think that our products and services are so fantastic, but honestly, we're the only ones that think they're special. Yeah. I mean, really, they, they're not that much different. You could probably find somebody else that does. I mean, even McDonald's secret sauce. I mean, you can you can go to McDonald's. Uh, dot com in Canada and get the recipe. So it's not like there's no secret sauce anymore. <laughs> I think we need to get over that because then what we talk to our uh, clients about is, look, there's there could be a competitive advantage here, but it might not last very long. And if we talk about this now and we can be a leader talking about stories like this, we need to get out there now with it or somebody else is going to take that position. Yeah, and it really does happen that fast. I mean, for example, look for us in content marketing, we came out with content marketing in 2007. Nobody was calling it that. Nobody positioned it just like that. Today, I couldn't, I couldn't come out as content marketing. I mean, there's nothing special about that term that's going to differentiate us from anyone else. It'd have to be financial content marketing or healthcare content marketing or something even more niche. I actually, I mean, I, there's some people would disagree with me this on this, James, but I don't think you can give away too much information. Um, of course, if you're talking about patents and copyrights and those kinds of things, but that's not really for the most part what we're doing. What we're really trying to do is uncover the expertise in the organization that we already have and get that information out. If we just focused on that, like all your engineers and your product managers and your senior executives have so much wisdom that we're not sharing with anyone that we're maybe doing one-on-one -on -one with customers. What if we took that one-on-one -on -one content with the customer that we shared and we gave all this IP to? And what if we took that and, and created 20 amazing pieces of content out about it to help move buyers down the buying cycle? Yeah. I mean, that's content we already have. And that's the thing is most, when, when we talk with content marketing directors or people that are social media managers or people running content, they're thinking, oh my gosh, where am I going to get all this content? That's never a problem. The challenge is never finding the content. It's always getting the content that we already have and, and putting it together in story form.
Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I'm again, I'm going to be testament to that. I, I put out a lot of content, especially in relation to the two services which I offer, which is Google AdWords management and uh, SEO campaigns. And, and you know, I, I do talk about a lot of what people would consider to be the secret source. And I, I guess if I took a very reserved look, I could go, well, hey, well, wait a second, you know, what if people try and implement this themselves and take all of my teachings? But you know, truth is they don't. They they know that I can do it for them and they'd much rather have an expert carry and handle that than to try and take on that knowledge themselves. No, it's, it's funny. I talked to a consultant, very large consulting group that's, you know, started to give away a lot of this content. They saw a ton more traffic, a ton more social and a ton more inquiries coming in. And the same question was asked, like, are, do you feel you're giving away too much information? They said, look, there's going to be a small percentage that go out and do it themselves and and our and there's going to be you know some of our competitors that might take this information and and find out something they didn't know before but i'm willing to take that risk because first of all that 1% that takes it and does something with it that, that those aren't good customers for us anyways what yeah. we want is the person that's going to see us as an expert look at it say that's too hard to do ourselves and then hire us to do the job yeah so i mean just because of the fact that you're getting out to so many more of the right people is going to make all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Well, I'm sure our listener out there is curious as to what tools they should be using for content marketing, Joe. Things like blog posts, podcasts, videos, social media, etc. Is there one platform for you that trumps the rest? Boy, and I well, I hate to I hate this question. It's a great question, James. <laughs> I hate this question because there's so many marketers that go straight to channel or tools they'll say oh i want to do a blog or i want to do a newsy newsletter or i want to do a podcast when that's like step seven that you should be asking really what we want to figure out is what you know what is our goal what is our objective who's the audience we're targeting what is that content marketing mission that we need to create but so we'll pass all that and then <laughs> let's look at tools i mean honestly the the blog is my favorite uh, because search engines love it and social media loves it, and you can launch subscription programs through blogs. That that's fantastic. As long as, uh, I mean, the, I think there's what seventy five percent of all marketers have some kind of blog. Here's the challenge, though. If you look at IBM research, eighty five percent of corporate blogs have five or less blog posts. Wow. Which means that so, so three quarters of us have blogs, but the majority of those blogs are inconsistent or dead. Yeah, which which is the marketing mindset, right? So if you can create a consistent blog that really solves the pain points of your customers, you have something. So let's just go on to some other. I mean, I I'm I love eBooks, which are you know you know what sort of white papers on steroids uh, or sexy white papers. I actually love I love those because you can integrate it with SlideShare. And for those of you that don't know SlideShare, it's like the YouTube for PowerPoints. I think it's one of the most underrated social channels out there is SlideShare owned by LinkedIn. Um, I love uh, I love podcasts, what we're doing now. But as you know, it takes a lot of work <laughs> to do uh, a podcast and you need a unique voice out there. I think that uh, that's blogs might work better as a starter. I think there's still an opportunity, depending on who your audience are. I look at, at print. Yeah. I mean, we do a print magazine chief content officer. The reason why we launched that is because I saw all the posts just dry up. Nobody was getting mail anymore, but everybody still has that channel. I mean, yeah. think about it. If all your customers were on, let's say we're on Facebook, but none of your competitors were, wouldn't you be like, oh my gosh, there's a huge opportunity there to give amazingly amazing information and create a relationship there. All the print just dried up. So we've seen an, an incredible bump just through 
you know, using print that's, you know, it's old school, but it's become new again. And then you've got infographics are incredible because you've got channels like Pinterest, um, you know, the, the videos that you can do with Instagram and Vine. I mean, I'm, I think a lot of it's an experimental stage. But I think the the question that I would ask is just like you do when you've always gone to trade shows is where are your customers hanging out? Yeah. Wherever your customers are hanging out, that's probably you need some kind of a content focus there. The other thing I would say is, look, there's 26 to 50 different channels, depending or content tools and channels, depending on how you look at it. What I would say is be great at something. Be great at a podcast. Be great at your video series, be great at a blog post, and then use that as the core to create other content products off of that. So let's say that you're great at a blog post, well, you can create a white paper series, ebook series, uh, infographic series from the blog post content that you create. Um, just think about it from that standpoint and be great at something instead of dabbling in you know 17 or 20 different tools. I, that's the, I, I just think that that's the, I mean, if you look at, the greatest media companies that have ever existed, they're always great at one channel and then they leverage the other channels to grow that channel. Yeah, I love the fact that you talked about print as well. We had a um, episode 14, Brent Hodgson, who's who's an out and out online guy. And he said that the best success he's having right now is going back to basics and doing traditional offline stuff, direct mail, sending, you know, handwritten notes out to customers, just the absolute basic stuff while everyone else is pushing the latest, you know, fad or, or tactic that everyone else is jumping on board with. I, I, I just, I don't, I mean, I understand it because print is so much harder to measure and we can measure clicks and likes and all that fun stuff that we can actually show, but man, you can measure print it just again it takes time you know consistency a focus on the audience but wow i mean we've been doing ours for for three years and i just love going to trade shows and seeing chief marketing officers holding our magazine yeah i mean <laughs> that's all i need to see yeah you got it well i was actually having a browse through your content marketing playbook be before today's interview and uh, i think you got kind of four was it 42 ways to connect with customers there um some of the things that came sort of lower down the list were a little bit more obscure things like i don't know facebook apps and virtual trade shows is there anything that you would say for our listener not to try because it's just too obscure or not working for you right now anything to avoid no, again, I, I would, I mean, the reason why we put out that playbook is that there, there are 42 legitimate ways that marketers are using in some way. Yeah. Uh, and so I would look at all of them. I mean, I can tell you for us that, you know, the blog is the best one to use and we use white papers, ebooks, research reports. I think, honestly, the a big opportunity is in research. I think that if I was going to, if I'm going into content marketing right now, I would really look at partnering with a research organization and coming out with with research and answers because data, 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 everybody wants the data so that they can make some justifications for the moves that they're making. Um, so I would look at that and then you can use that in, in a, numerous ways. I would be wary of a, you know, there's some things like a discussion forum and offsite social networks. Those concern me. So if I was going to look at anything, I would just be careful the first thing I want to do is, are there any channels available right now that my customers are already there and active that I can tap into? I would look at those first instead of saying, oh, I'm going to create my own LinkedIn group or I'm going to create my own Ning platform or my own discussion forum because it is so hard to create something like that and get that kind of community when people aren't already in it. Uh, so I would go to find the communities that are already going on and tap into those. 
Got it, good. Well, at this juncture, Joe, I'm gonna suggest our listener out there, go and check out Content Marketing Institute to see how it's done well. But other than yourself, is there any really good examples of companies that are doing content marketing exceptionally well right now? Oh, absolutely. So I'll give you some big and small. So the big brand, the the epitome of content marketing is Red Bull. Uh, Red Bull is a media company that just happens to sell energy drinks uh, from there. They have a content syndication platform. They have a magazine, digital and print called the Red Bulletin. They have about 5 million subscribers to that. Uh, they fund independent music artists and then syndicate the the content from that. They're just doing some amazing things. Uh, Procter & Gamble uh, with their sites like Homemade Simple, BeingGirl.com, uh, they create a content platform usually for every audience out there. So those are some to look at. Uh, Yuska Bank in Denmark, they are, uh, they've set up a, a television station within their bank and they feed that out on a consistent basis to their customers and prospects. I love those from a larger standpoint. American Express does openforum.com. Uh, where 99% of that content is not about American Express and they drive as many credit card inquiries through openforum.com as anything else that they do. From a small business standpoint, uh, just simple as River Pools and Spas blog. Uh, Marcus Sheridan launched that blog. They were on the verge of bankruptcy in 2009, uh, launched a blog. They were answering questions that no one else was answering and they ended up selling more fiberglass pools than any other pool installer in North America uh, two years later, just from answering questions that no one else was answering. And then the last example I would show you is OpenView Venture Partners, a VC venture capital company out of Boston, launched a platform called OpenView Labs. It is one of the most helpful tools out there for small businesses. And I love the fact that a venture capital company that most people don't think of content marketing was able to uh, create a content marketing platform as center to the organization and to their customers. So you can be any size in any industry, as long as you're focused on the needs of your audience, you can make it happen with content. Wow, cool. Well, that was rapid fire. I'll make sure that all of those different references are linked off to within the show notes of episode 16 of Traffic Jam. Now, Joe, before we close out, I want to ask you a little bit about your event that's coming up in four weeks time, the content marketing world. Tell us about that. Uh, Content Marketing World, yes, yeah, September 9th to 12th. It's in Cleveland, Ohio this year. It is, we have, uh, we'll have about 1,500 people represented from over 30 countries. It's the largest in-person event for content marketing, over 60 sessions, 100-plus speakers. Uh, we're just thrilled that it's been able to grow like this. Uh, it's, it's probably the best place, and I'm, com I'm completely biased, James, but it's probably the best <laughs> place that you can meet uh, content creators in midsize and large brands that are doing this actively. And we've really tried to reach out to international folks with discounts and things because we know it is a, it, it, it's a pain to travel so far into, into North America, but we're able to get a, quite a good percentage of international folks, of course, as well as from the, the big brands around the world that, that are coming in and just happy about that event. And that's sort of become the, we're, we've sort of positioned ourselves as the South by Southwest for content marketing. It's not yeah. nearly that big, but we like to have a lot of fun and we're looking forward to it this year. Well, I've got to say, if there's one thing that you can do to accelerate your business is hop on a plane and go to a specific live event where you can meet you know, like-minded people in the same sort of sector as you, it really will move you forward. So if that rings a few bells for people, content marketing world coming up. Joe, that's been absolute content gold. Thank you for your time today. Um, I know our listeners are going to love it. James, thank you. Appreciate it anytime. 
this week's news in traffic. Okay, a nice fun piece of news to kick things off this week. And that is that Yahoo, the kind of slightly older yet frumpier brother to Google in the search arena, is getting a brand new identity. On September the 5th this year, they'll unveil a new logo. But in the lead up to that, they're showcasing variations of their new identity up on their homepage of yahoo.com. So if you want to get a feel for the new direction that Yahoo is heading, head on over this week to yahoo.com and check out those logos. Facebook's graph search, the tool that lets you search information shared by friends and anyone on Facebook to find stuff like people who live in my city from my hometown or friends of friends who like Michael Jackson or whatever kind of combination you can dream of, is now available to all users on the platform with US English set as their default language. And in turn, Facebook have now killed off search by name setting. So if you are yet to optimize your business page for graph search searches, now is a good time to do this. And if you want to get more information on how to do it, I suggest you check out episode number five of Traffic Jam with my good friend Jennifer Sheehan. Staying with Facebook, well, they've made an update to their algorithm, meaning that posts you make that may have been missed by your fans or friends can resurface at the top of their timeline if they're still deemed to be relevant and still receiving likes and shares. In recent tests following the release of this algorithm with a small number of users, this change resulted in a 5% increase in the number of likes, comments and shares on the organic stories people saw from friends and an 8% increase in likes, comments and shares in the organic stores they saw from pages. This data does seem to prove that the important updates that you want your friends and fans to find are now making their way towards the top of the timeline and are getting seen. Whilst this is an important update, which a lot of people have been conversing over, I've got to agree with Scott Stratton, who put it down to the point this week on Facebook and said, if you want your content to get found by more people, we'll create more awesome content on Facebook. There you go. Words of wisdom from Scott to finish this week's traffic news. Okay, so right on to listener comments and feedback. And there are a couple I want to mention this week. The first is an iTunes review, a five-star iTunes review indeed from Kelly Lundberg, who says, well done, James, love the style of the show, really enjoyed Pat's interview and look forward to many more inspiring episodes. Now, Kelly there was referring to episode number nine of Traffic Jam, which was with Pat Flynn, all about podcasting. And it should be an episode that Kelly is interested in because she herself has just started her own podcast where catwalk meets commerce. Now, if you're an aspiring entrepreneur wanting to get into fashion, that is a podcast well worth checking out. You can find it on iTunes. Now, I don't make a habit of doing so, but the second comment I want to read out this week is actually from my guest of last week, Justin Brooke, who said on his Facebook page, Traffic Jam has a ton of killer episodes. This is probably the best podcast on iTunes for real meaty traffic lessons. Well, Justin, I do have to agree. This is probably the meatiest podcast on iTunes for traffic lessons. If you, the listener, agree, and I hope that you do, please head on over to iTunes this week and leave me a rating. Five star, three star, four star, whatever you want to give it. I'll read it out on next week's show and give you a bit of exposure to the Traffic Jam audience. So go ahead and do that this week. 
the one minute traffic tip. Okay, this week's traffic tip is super actionable and it revolves around the subject of email marketing and getting your emails opened. Now alongside the from sender field and shortly followed by the first 20 or 30 characters of your email, the most important element of an email that will determine whether it gets opened or not is the subject line. A few quick tips for crafting a powerful subject line is one, make sure that the subject line is curiosity driven. Two, make sure that it's chatty, a little bit like an email to a friend. And three, do not include the receiver's name in the subject line, despite what people say about it increasing the open rate. It doesn't. Well, what about some good examples of subject lines? Well, to finish off this week's one minute traffic tip, I'm diving into my Evernote to give you some good ideas. Here you go. Number one, can we talk? Number two, I quit. Number three, hey. Number four, update. Number five, please read this. Number six, this was awesome. And number seven, a very useful resource. There you go. Seven ideas for subject lines that may increase your email open rate. Go give one of them a try this week and let me know how you get on. Okay, so that pretty much rounds out another episode of Traffic Jam. Before I do, though, just a reminder that you can get more traffic news and training over at veravo.com. Two video training posts this week, one about how to set up Google Maps app advertising, and the second is an introduction to how Google search works. So if you've ever wondered how those answers return to you when you type that query into Google, this post will reveal all. That you can get over at veravo.com. Here at Traffic Jam, we'll of course be back with another episode next week. Playing out this week's episode is a track by Billy Joel. It is of course chosen by my guest this week, Joe Polizzi, and the track title is We Didn't Start the Fire. Enjoy.
Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website, trafficjamcast.com.